0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've been teasing it for the week, and here we are. We're sitting down with our friend of the show, Terry Koshan, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously a lot to dabble into with Terry here and ask some questions. Terry, how's the day treating you?
1: Uh, Not too bad. Pretty good, actually. It's uh, not too bad here. Just part of the province, so it's it's,
0: uh, it's good. It's probably nice right now to kind of have a little bit of a slowdown after all the ups and downs of this year so
1: far, eh? Well, kind of, but, you know, (laughs) at the same time, you just... You just wish there was a clearer answer as to when we're going to get going again. But uh, you know, it's, it's kind of it's been kind of bizarre to get used to this time of year, end of October, and not be in a rink somewhere. So <laughs> we're all in it together. But uh, you know, this is hope that uh, they do find a solution to all of it uh, relatively soon.
0: Well, let's hit on that right off the bat. Obviously, um, we're all waiting to see when the season will start. If Terry, if you had to put your prediction hat on and say, you know, this is when I feel the season will start. When do you think a realistic start date for the NHL is? They're aiming January 1st. I've heard February 1st, March 1st. What's Terry Koshan say?
1: Well, I don't think it's going to be January 1st. I think we can agree on that. And I don't think it's going to be an 82-game season. Um, So, you know, that takes you into another interesting area of what does the, uh, you know, the NHLPA agree to? How does that work for their salaries and escrow and everything else? It's a lot for the, uh, the two sides to, to to geek through, I guess, before we uh, get going. But um, I don't know, you know, as with everything else in the past eight months, Jamie, they're at the you know the winds of the uh, the coronavirus pandemic, obviously, and and uh, and and how that goes, uh, not only in Canada but, but south of the border as well. So it's 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 difficult to get an handle on. I just don't, I just don't see it happening Jan one. I know that they're saying the NHL saying that publicly, but behind the scenes they are looking at other avenues and you know um i'm thinking probably closer to the end of january beginning of february i think you know march 1st is a little bit late i don't know that they want to go that far into it but if they don't have any choice because of the pandemic maybe they do uh but uh, i would think more in that february range but again right now it's just a guess, and, and like I said, the way the coronavirus went right down, it's, it's not a very educated
0: one. No, for sure. Well, I know just from what I've read and what I've seen, players have zero appetite to do a, to a bubble situation again, especially for yeah. the duration of a season. Um, so, I mean, you look at all the different arenas and different places and obviously where they can have fans and where they can't have fans. Um, I think you'd look at it, each owner would say this year is kind of a loss leader and you're not going to get much out of it um i'm looking and hearing maybe 48 game season kind of like the lockout one um and the nhl really wants to wrap things up um at around normal time because you have seattle coming in needing to do an expansion draft and you'll, yep. you don't want that to bleed into next season so you'd like to have your normal off season so i mean 48 games would fit that bill perfectly um does it suck for some teams that you know maybe don't get hot until maybe midway through and the legs start gelling maybe But, um, you know, realistically, that that would be the best sounding thing that I've heard and the most feasible. And obviously you kick that off around February 1st with training camps opening midway through January. But that puts us a a long way off. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, do you think that'll help or hinder teams? I mean, a lot of guys have injuries, surgeries, different things. But um, sitting off, I mean, you look at some teams that haven't played since March. I mean, that's got to be pretty hard on them.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's hard to say how, how you know, any delay in the schedule or shortening the schedule will impact teams specifically. I mean, you know, just looking back at what happened during during the summer, the Leafs are one of the teams that for, more or less were all together from the beginning of Phase 2, and it didn't work out for them. Um, you know, there were issues in Boston with the way they came together. Uh, you know, the Washington Capitals, we thought, would have had more of a, a run through the playoffs than they had. No one expected the Dallas Stars to do what they did. So it, it's the impact. I suppose it has. Uh, you know, depends what kind of a roster you have. Uh, you know, youth-wise, age-wise, all that sort of thing. The Leafs, as we know, are, are a little bit older now, than they have been in the past. So um, you know, it, it's it's really difficult to get a handle on. I don't think you can give it a concrete answer. And but you're right about that. I mean, you have nine teams to. Nine or seven, I'm, what's my math? Seven uh, teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seven teams. That seven teams that that uh, you know haven't played since March tenth, eleventh, and it could be a full. Well, you I mean, hope it's not going to be a full year for some of those clubs, but you know, you look at you know, some of the players. least have added uh, Jimmy Vesey and uh, Lane Simmons. I'm thinking of having not played for as long as they have. They're going to be raring to go, and and uh, you know. I don't think you can put a put a, a definitive answer on, on how it's going to impact each club, but the fact is they're all going to be in it together, and you know, you're know you right too, Jimmy. I mean, a lot of these teams that, that do have injury issues, You know the Bruins announcing a few weeks ago that some of their stars are undergoing surgery and, and some won't be ready for uh, Jan 1. Well, I'm, I'm thinking now that's probably not going to be an issue. I mean, I think with Marchand and Pasternak, they weren't going to be ready for them, but you know, they should be ready now for, for a start of uh, the season when that might come, February, I suppose. That they're all in the same boat. So, you know, and again, the 48-game thing, it, it, it seems uh, logical from our end, but, you know, everyone has to be on board with it. And that's yeah. part of the issue I think that's going to be going forward, too.
0: Well, that's the next question I want to ask you before we start dabbling in what the Leafs have done in the offseason. Obviously, I want to talk to you about the bubble, too. Um, you know, you look at this, and, and anything that comes forward... Obviously, it all has to go to a vote, not only for the players, but also for the Board of Governors for each team. Um, Which side do you think would more have an appetite to want to get it done quicker? Uh, Do you think the players would just want to get a 48-game season over to kind of get forward and move forward to normalcy? Or do you think the owners would have more of a, you know, I want to get this done, so to speak, because they want to get back to full arenas, full staff, everything they can do, you know, hopefully in October, because by that time, hopefully everybody's thinking, you know, whether it's a vaccine or a handle on this better than we do now I'm wondering for you which side do you think would either oppose it or, or have more to, to gain from it
1: well it's hard to say but again I don't you don't see the players I mean agreeing to X amount of games and, and that sort of thing and you don't want to you know I don't want to put words in the mouth and say how much of their salaries would be willing to uh, not be paid Uh, but you know there's like I say they're gonna have to come together on that and and I don't think they can really worry about next season because there's no vaccine in October then we're back to square one or we're still at square one whatever square one's going to be so I don't think they can they can you know I know that there's tv issues potentially and and all that sort of thing but going into the summer you know the potential of the Olympics all that but the um I, I just think they have to worry about now they can't concern themselves with what may or may not happen down the road and and when the 21-22 uh, season would get underway. Um, but uh, I think we're, it's, it's still too early to say, you know, what the appetite would be and, and who would want to I think that both the players and owners would tell you that the more they can play, the better. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, if there aren't people in the stands and some teams have a hard time generating that revenue, or all teams have a hard time generating the revenue to the fans in the stands, but, um, then, then what kind of appetite is there for a longer schedule? I don't know. Um, and if they go the bubble way and have regional, you know, places where they're playing, then, you know, it might not matter, uh, um, you know, for a lot of these teams, whether they're fans in the stands or not, because they're be playing in their home cities. So I mean, there's so much to, 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 clear up. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just think they're getting going in it now, at the empty stages for sure. And, and maybe not even at that point, but it's something they're going to have to, uh, look long and hard at and, and, um, and really put all the resources into. And I think we have to remember, too, Jamie, is we didn't think, like, I, whenever we last spoke, I, I spoke in the spring or whatever it was, but, um, you know, I, I think for a time there, for several months, we weren't sure that the NHL was going to be able to pull off the bubble, right? Yep, that's the bubble, I should say. And they did. And, you know, the fact that there were 30,000-plus uh, COVID tests and no positives uh, still kind of blows me away to think about it now. Uh, given where the numbers have gone since all that ended. but uh, So they're able to pull that off, so I think you have to have confidence that they'll come to a resolution here, the players and the owners. But uh, it, it's truly to say what that resolution, I think, is going to look like.
0: No, definitely. I mean, we have to wait and see what the world does before we start thinking again, going back to sports and figuring out what sports is going to do. But I do want to ask, I mean, you had the unique ability of being able to be in the bubble you know, and cover the teams and, and do that stuff right from Toronto, um, I had the unique perspective from uh, Dennis Bernstein, who, who covered the uh, the Edmonton side for the final, and he said it was something that he enjoyed, it was good to see, but he would never do it again. Um, you know, yeah. it was uh, that one-and-done kind of thing. For you, Terry, being able to cover it and kind of still being in the home city, um, how was it for you? What was the the experience from your side of things?
1: Well, it was obviously very bizarre, yeah. and, you know, obviously not part of the bubble per se, Jane. I mean, I was lucky that way I could go home you know, obviously, you know, but, you know, we wouldn't have any uh, no contact with the players, and and the way it worked at Scotia Bank Arena was, uh, you know, one entrance, uh, you know, temperature taken, all this sort of thing, and then you know, one way to get to your seat, uh, no consent. It's just it was just very strange, and I remember, um, you know it was one thing to watch the games on TV and, and, and you know, you, you, you'd you know that the, the seats were empty and they did a good job of piping in noise on TV and that, but being in the rink uh, when it was empty, you know, no more than a couple hundred people in there, if that, including, you know, the teams, the broadcasters, and that's probably not even that many. Uh, it was just, it was just bizarre. And we're socially distanced from each other. I mean, we're sitting up in one corner of the rink and uh, you know, it was the same place every time and, it was just very odd and when you, you can't be around the players and talk to them and, and especially after morning skates stuff at least had you know a lot of those last season but there's a real disconnect there and uh you know it was good that we were able to be in the rink and watch the games live and that sort of thing but to disconnect from the players uh that that doesn't work for anybody and um you know it was uh it was an odd time a bizarre time but you know, I, I think I'm, I would be kidding myself if I, if I would say it's going to be any different once uh, once the, the NHL returns. I think we're looking at these same sorts of situations for certainly for the foreseeable future.
0: Well, to ask you, you know, that makes it more a little bit more unique for you guys trying to, uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say unearth stories, but being able to talk to the players, like you said, um, they you know they're made available via Zoom call and stuff like that after games. Um, has there been any inclination from either the Maple Leafs or any other NHL organization that they're going to have players, you know, available? Maybe, uh, you know, you give a call and say, hey, can I uh, get 15 with Marner on a Zoom call 2 o'clock on a Thursday? You know, is that a possibility? So you can have that one-on-one interaction that you used to have, um, you know, whether it's Marner or whoever, right? But I'm just yeah. wondering if teams are going to be able to, to open that up. I know it also uh, adds to the player's schedule, and you have to look at those kind of things, but... I'm wondering, like you said, after practices and things like that, you used to go and talk and, you know, see what they're doing here, there, and everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what the new medium is going to be for for reporters and being able to cover the team, and who better to ask than you? Uh, Have you heard anything, or is it going to be pretty much status quo as far as you know?
1: Yeah, I think it will be. Um, Now, the Leafs have been one of the better... We've been lucky in Toronto because the Leafs have been one of the better teams at making players available. Uh, Certainly, you know, I think after... But they lost on August 9th, and three, three days later we had Shanahan, Dubas, and Keith together in a Zoom call. But also, I think about ten players, and you know, a lot of teams didn't make that many people available. Some players, some teams didn't make any players available, and at least have been really good through the free agency period and um, you know the odd trade that has been made of making players available and, uh, and all this sort of thing. So. You know, where it goes from here, I, I don't think it's going to change much as far as uh, that goes, um, uh, you know, once play resumes. And, and I think we have to remember, too, Jamie, like right now, I mean, it is, quote-unquote, the off season. So, you know, if this was a normal type of thing in the offseason, so you get through free and see that. It's a, so what are we looking like? This would be like July 15th, 20th, and, um, you know, it would be pretty quiet anyway. You know, we know that there are players at the Ford Performance Center with the Leafs, both veterans and prospects uh, working on that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's almost a bit of a grace period right now, but like the Leafs have been, like I say, the Leafs' PR staff has been excellent with making uh, players available when the requests have gone in. Um, uh, But, uh, you know, as far as when the games resume and practices resume, I don't think it will be much different than what we saw uh, during July and August when it was Zoom calls and and, uh, there weren't many opportunities uh, for one-on-ones.
0: Well, let's speak about the Maple Leafs, obviously. You're talking about, you know, the availabilities and things like that. I mean, now this team has gone and and done some things differently. And one of those availabilities was Kyle Dubas. And, you know, he took a little bit of a swipe at, at the media, at certain people in the media, I should say, that say, you know, some people think I only know one way to build a team. And, you know, this off season it looks like he tried to go out and address some of the needs that they, the Leafs needed. Now, I want to ask before we break down specific players, you know, how would you feel about the uh, the overall offseason so far by Kyle Dubas? Is it a smash home run, like some are saying, or is it a we'll wait and see what happens on the ice?
1: Well, I think for the most part you have to wait and see because you signed a lot of older players to one-year contracts um, who you know have things to prove even at the ages that they're at. Can Joe Thornton still be an effective player? Wayne Simmons, the injury, is going to get past that sort of thing. Just a couple of examples. I think they're both good signings. Um, Now, the one guy that's not part of that, you know, let's see what happens is TJ Brody. I think it's a really nice addition to the top four. I think he can, you know, given the opportunity, he can do good things with Morgan Riley, Jamie. I I really like that a lot. I mean, you know, we in a perfect world, you want to get your hands on Alex Petrangelo, obviously. You know, Kyle Dubas couldn't do that because of the cap cap constraints. But uh, Brody, I think, is going to be a nice addition for them does he address your phys- physical needs on the blue line no he doesn't he's not a physical defenseman by any stretch of the imagination but he's smart and he moves the puck well and i, and I think with roddy that should be a really good pair um you know so i, I, I just like that and you know i guess the bigger thing is like like Dubas said himself too we have to become a, a tougher team to play against and and you know it, so then how do you evaluate the things that they've done um Will Wayne Simmons make them that way when he's on the ice? I think so. Will Zach Bogosian make them, uh, you know, give that least that element when he's on the ice? I think so. But I think, that, as Sheldon Keefe said to us too, Jamie, we've got to remember, a lot of that has to come from within yep. and from the, group, from the group that's there. I mean, you know, the one thing that we keep in mind with all the things the Leafs have done, and generally I, I think that Dubas has done some good things, the core is the same uh your goaltending is the same uh i like the i do like Dell. i think that that's a, a good veteran presence there that you know it gives at least a good one two three um but so the core is the same and I got a lot of that's got to come from within that group that that mentality and that that way of playing but uh you know i do like that um you know as certain as the ages is we get that uh but it's, it's a one-year contract and and uh you know a, a real um real determination on his part to, 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 you know, to do what he can to help the a place to win a cup. He knows he's not getting any younger. I like, you know, Wayne Simmons, that signing, uh, a guy coming home to play for his hometown team. And I, I think there's, uh, you know, the other thing I like about Thornton and, and Simmons too is the personalities that they bring. They're, 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 they're good, boisterous guys. I, I think that'll help this room a lot, um, leadership and all that sort of thing. You know, it's really a reshaping or remodeling of that bottom six. Uh, you know, Jimmy Vc is another guy who doesn't think he had a good season last year in Buffalo and, and didn't, and, and, and looking for some personal redemption there as well. Travis Boyd's a good depth piece, you know. They self-signed Joey Anderson, I'm, and I'm not 100% sure where he fits into all this. But, uh, um, you know, I, I like the moves overall. Kyle, Kyle Dubas looked at it and said, okay, um, we have to get an element here that we don't necessarily have right now. I think he's gone out and done that to a degree. Uh, but a lot of it is still going to come from within with the players that uh, they already had and are getting paid the big bucks.
0: No, definitely. And, I mean, you look at last year, a little bit of growth from Austin Matthews and learning, you know, when he sat a couple guys down and he you looked, you looked down at them almost like, I did that. You know, that, that was yeah. me. You know, and you got to learn to play with your size. And I think a guy like Jumbo Joe might be able to be a guy to lean on for Matthews, you know, and it too, in, in a sense. You know, that they, they, they got the big body and they know how to protect the puck, but they also know how to f- have fun on the ice and, you know, use that uh, chirpingness as well to kind of get under people's skin. And I know Joe's good for it. You watch the uh, the clips and the highlight videos, you know, him coming to Toronto. Um, you know, I, that could be a good thing for Austin Matthews. Uh, the thing that I'm wondering the most here is you look at the bottom six of this team and it's vastly changed now. You have the speed and goal scoring kind of gone from Kapanen and Janssen. Not that they did a lot of that last year, but they they have had 20-goal seasons. I'm wondering now, is the bottom six going to be more of a low-minute, low, mo- low minute, you know, low-impact kind of, and you're leaning more on the top two lines? Is that what the Leafs are leaning for? Just kind of get grinded out minutes and not having to put Thornton or Spezza or Simmons or those guys in those high-minute situations? Well, I
1: don't think that, yeah, I don't, I don't think those they're necessarily going to be in high-minute situations, but that group isn't... You can't look at them and say, okay, well, they're just going to kind of play one way. I mean, we're all curious to see what a guy like Alexander Barabanov is going to bring. We're all curious to see whether Nick Robertson can make that next step after, um, you know, I thought showed well in, in, the, in the qualifying round against Columbus, scored his first goal and all that sort of thing. So there are other factors at play here. On paper, are they better without Johnson and Capitan? No, they're not. I mean, they, those two guys, you're right, they didn't score a lot last year. Each had their issues and all that sort of thing, and, and Andreas especially with the injuries. But that 61 goals, I think, gone from your your roster the last two seasons. And and when when you know Kyle did assign those guys to to um, the contracts that he did at the end of June of, of 2019, it wasn't with an eye to trading them a year later. But here we are. I mean, he thought that they were going to be integral parts of this team uh, going forward, where you know wherever they were going to slot in. Certainly no lower than third line for either of them so they're gonna have to replace those types of uh those types of things that those guys brought um but you know like you say i got a the jimmy bc probably a bit of a chip on his shoulder to show that you know he can be the guy that the leafs were getting after uh, four years ago uh when he eventually went to new york and, and all this sort of thing so um it, like i say it's a different element and, and i'm really curious about it because if you look at it now all these guys on the one-year contracts, I think they have, you know, seven forwards signed for next season um, of guys you could realistically say that are, are going to be on this team next year. So they're, Kyle Dubas is going to be revisiting this whole sort of uh, reshaping the bottom six a year from now or whatever free agency in 2021 is. Um, so I, I think that that's a, an interesting aspect to take into account as well. And again, um you know, if we believe that guys like Freddie Anderson are going to be motivated by going into their final year of their contracts, then I think you have to believe the same of these guys who are now all in on one-year deals, and they're going to want to put their best foot forward. So um, it's just a different look. But, again, keep in mind that the skilled players are still going to be their skilled guys. They're going to be the guys leading all this. And, you know, I don't know whether – you know, I think we're not going to know about ice time and who plays where – in that bottom six until the season gets going and, and, and training camp starts and Sheldon Keith can really have an idea of what he has in these guys. I mean, you know, one player we can't forget is the guy like Alex Kerfoot, who will probably, you know, as acknowledged, he didn't have the best season last year and where does he slot into all this in the best spot? Is it at center? Probably not, but you at least have a better option at third line center right now, I, I don't think that they do. So maybe that comes out in the wash in training camp, but um, a lot of question marks, but that's okay. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's because, like I say, you still have Wester Matthews. You still have Mitch Martin. You still have John Tavares. You still have uh, William Nylander. You still have Zach Hyman. You still have Ilya Mikheyev. There's a lot to work with there in your top six for sure. And then you kind of look at it and say, okay, well, we know the bottom six will sort itself out.
0: What a luxury, eh? Having all that, those names before you had to start worrying about where players are slotted. An absolute luxury for the Leafs some I want to ask the question, obviously, you touched on Freddie for a moment there going into the last year of his contract. And it seemed like a ringing endorsement from, you know, uh, Kyle Dubas about the um, the future of Freddie Anderson and net, and he's going to be their guy. Um, now, I'm wondering, was that more or less because there wasn't a trade that could have been worked out? Or he didn't see what he wanted in the free agent market? Or does he believe in Freddie? Obviously, you believe in the pieces that you have but there were so many rumblings about him going out of town or being shipped out of town. And then he had to sit down with Freddie and, you know, he cleared the air and then came out to the media and said, no, we talked, you know, I don't know where this came from or that came from, but I assured him he's going to be a starter next year. What do you think the case is with Freddie? Is he a long-term Leaf or basically um, is this his last show-me kind of year? And if the Leafs aren't in a good position come the trade deadline, maybe he gets sent to a contender.
1: Well, it could be possible. I don't it's hard to say what they do with them. I, I still think that, that there, there was something to something to the rumblings, Jamie. I don't know that the Leafs were out there, you know, begging teams to take Freddie Anderson off their off their hands. I don't think that anything close to that was happening. But I certainly think that Kyle Dubas was listening, and uh, you know, even close to you, acknowledged to me that all that speculation is all part of the deal when you don't, you know, hit your team's expectations. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise to the goaltender or his camp that that, that their has to talk was out there. I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating situations for the Leafs in this season with, with what becomes of Freddie Anderson because the age that he is, um, you know, is he now 31, I don't know that you necessarily want to lock him up long term. And, and if he has a great year and you know does some things for the Leafs in the playoffs, does he price himself out of their situation anyway? Um, there's that possibility as well. I mean, if you look at the guys who are going to be available next year on the open market. Uh, Rask is there, uh, Pekarine, another guy who's trying to come off but not a good season. Uh, Jordan Bennington is going to be up, so there are there are going to be some players available. But you know, um, if you're Freddie Anderson, you know, even with the the pandemic and everything, uh, you know, do you want to put your name on on something with the Leafs right away? Um, when, if you think that there's, you, you might be able to get something more on the open market. Who knows? Uh, the fact is he should be confident going into this season no matter what happened last year because, you know, if Kyle Dubas is saying to us, look, he's going to be our guy, then, you know, once they got through all these rumblings and speculation and talk and everything else, he assured Freddie of the same thing. And, and um, you know, I, I thought one thing was pretty interesting with the Thornton uh, <laughs> availability.
0: Yes. But About
1: 10 days ago, I, actually a lot of it was. I, I just think Thornton's a really interesting guy. He's going to give a real unique perspective in that dressing room. But, you know, I said, what, what, what do, you, what do you, what attracts you to this team? And, and a lot of times, when you ask players newcomers that, it's the Matthews answer, the martyr answer, Tavares and being the captain. That's fine. Those, those are all good things. But first words out of his mouth, where he really liked Freddie Anderson. I love that. And, 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 I love. That. Yeah. And what he could do as, as the goaltender. So, I'm guessing that Fred knows that. That Fred got wind of that comment from Joe Thornton. I, I would imagine that they they've talked, and um, you know. Uh, that's, that should put a little bit of a, a boost in Freddie's step going forward, uh, whether he needs it or not. I don't know, but certainly he has to feel good about that. And, uh, you know, there's incentive here just for him overall to come back and, and um, you know, have a good season. But if you're looking at the Leaf goaltending picture as a whole, which I think we should be doing, Jamie, is they have in Jack Campbell their best backup since back landing. We know that. Yep. And, you know, there, I think I think Sheldon Keith going forward now, you know, in the season, can afford to play his backup more and have more confidence in that guy. So, if you can take some of the load off Freddie, I think, and and even if it is a shortened season, you know, I you know, if we're talking about it's going to be shortened season, x amount of games, it's going to be pretty compact, and you're going to need to to rely on your on your second string guy uh, probably more than you have in the past. And I think Jack Campbell at least have that position. I'm not one of these guys that thinks Aaron Dell is going to come in and unseat Jack Campbell from the from the number two spot. I think Campbell's pretty solid there, but I do think that, you know, Dell gives them a really good option should Freddie or Jack Campbell get hurt. And, you know, um, I don't know. We don't know. I mean, geez, we don't know if there's going to be an AHL season at all. If, if it's a, a pool of players, the Leafs have to choose from, and any, every other NHL team has to choose from, uh, you know, um, among their prospects and guys on the main roster. But Aaron Dell, I think, is going to be a factor for them at some point. Like to say, if there are injuries, and uh, I just like that there's a there's a good veteran um, uh, person to fall back on there if need be. But I, I think as much as we talk about Freddie, like I say, we we have to realize the importance of Jack Campbell as a backup and, and the, um, the, uh, the 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 type of performances he's capable of bringing in that spot.
0: No, you're right. We haven't had a guy since McElhaney, and I look at uh, Jack Campbell, and I get excited because last year when he came in, he did steal us a few games, and even the game that he lost on that Western Coast swing before the season came to a halt, you know he was in the net and he said it was all on him, and you know he deflected some of the uh, the heat away from his teammates. So not only is he a good between the pipes, but he's also good in the room and and good with the media and good with everything. So I mean that's another element that's brought to the team as well. But I want to ask you wide picture for this team for goaltending as far as prospects. You look at uh, you look at Wohl and you look at Scott. Um, you know, Cascasuo has now moved on to Nashville. Um, what is the future for the Leafs? What what do they have that's a, a bona fide? Hey, this could be a guy. I, I I was very high on Ian Scott when he was uh, playing junior, and very high on Joseph Wall. But really, it seems like a lot of people have cooled on those two names. And I'm wondering for you, do you have any feel towards those two, or or where the Leafs goaltending situation might be? Sands, Freddie.
1: Well, I like the, the, the kid, the, the Russian kid they took of the draft. That's that's a few years away, though, so I don't know if you can really, you know, tell him as part of the conversation yet. We're talking about guys who are, who are, looking, are looking for some sorts of redemption in the next season, and Ian Scott and Joseph Wall, you can put on that list. Scott's coming off, you know, the injuries, of course, not having played, and Joseph Wall in availability with us uh, – you know, uh, during phase two, or you know, the once camp got gone, I can't remember what it was, but he, he said, I, you know, not happy with his first year pro and, and, and North city again. So a couple of guys there who are going to be, I'm curious to see if, if we do get an AHL season, how that all boils down, because obviously Aaron Dell, if there is a, a Toronto Marley season, is going to be, is going to claim some of those starts, uh, missed out a majority of them. So what does that do for Walton Scott? We'll have to see, but, uh, you know, it, it in, in the bigger picture um there's still lots of potential in both of those guys and by no means can you write them off i mean they're young uh you know they certainly start to you know doesn't have much to fall back on playing wise given that he hasn't played in so long uh and joseph wall um will probably tell you that he's not the goalie uh that, that had some struggles in his first in his first year at the marley so uh, you know where they are on the, on the lease, of uh, depth threat of prospects, I suppose you could argue that. But uh, I, I think the two guys would still have a lot of potential. And, and um, you know, how they think this going down the road, we don't know. I, you know. I think there's some people in the organization, Jamie, that will say that they think Jack Campbell can eventually be the number one guy here. And, uh, you know, if that's going to be the case, he'll have to be signed to a longer-term deal at some point. Um, but, you know... With goalies uh, that are going to be available free agency-wise, if they, don't, if they don't keep Freddie around, whether it's on a long-term or shorter-term deal, um, you know, do Joseph Wall or Ian Scott make that step to the Maple Leafs roster and become impact players the next couple of years? We don't know at this point, but I do know that both will have, uh, you know, some incentive to be better than they were. Or not, or, or sco- 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 than playing Wall certainly, incentive to show that they're both part of this uh, can be part of this uh, uh, team's future going forward.
0: So we look at the signings that the Toronto Maple Leafs made. We talked about Simmons and VC, and you know all of those different players. But I want to talk about the back end specifically right now, especially where mm-hmm. we're talking about the goaltenders. You look at the addition of Bogosian. You hope that he's an everyday NHLer with this squad. You don't know. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people say he could be the sixth defenseman. I've had I've seen people pair him up with Riley. Uh, then you bring in TJ Brody. You resign Travis Dermott for a ten thousand dollar raise. Not a bad signing by Kyle Dubas there. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at this squad and I'm wondering for, from your eyes, Terry, and from what you saw last year from the Toronto Maple Leafs, does this defense bring more oomph in front of Freddie than last year or are we still going to be relying on Freddie stopping one of the highest amount of rubber in the NHL?
1: Well, you've got to, you know, like, like at least they'll say themselves, they have to be better as five men units defensively in front of um, in front of Anderson or Campbell and that's, that's going to be crucial for them and I think that you know, Sheldon Keith's going to get, his, we would think, his first real crack at, a, at an actual something close to full training camp. You know, what happened in the summer was odd for everybody, and I, I don't think necessarily even, excuse me, all the time off, he was able to fully implement what he wanted to do. I think we're going to see more of that as time goes on here, and, and hopefully you'd see more in a, in a two- to three-week training camp. But, um Brody's an up. if you're going to break it down, Brody's an upgrade on, on Barry defensively. I, I don't think any question. You know, I, I feel badly for Tyson Barry. He was misused from the hop last year under Babcock. Yep. And then never never really found that full level of comfortability under Sheldon Keith. I mean, we saw that. And, and um, you know, moving on from Cody Cc certainly won't uh, won't hurt the Maple Leafs either. I don't know where Bogosian fits in. It's hard to say. I don't see him playing with Morgan Riley, though, on a top pair. I just i think that people are, are that's a little bit of wishful thinking i think brody's going to be that guy um now after i think once you get past brody riley and jake muzzin jamie it's it's uh, there's a toss-up there if i'm travis Dermot, i'm mad as hell because i'm looking at the new contract i signed and say i know i'm worth more than this i have to go i shouldn't have to go out and prove it completely necessarily but i'm going to go do that now i mean travis Dermot. i mean you know he wasn't had his struggle last year, but by no means a terrible defenseman, the age that he is, he's going to be 24 in December, I think, you know, when I got around to him, at least basically said, okay, well, here's what we have under the couch cushions. this is all we can afford to pay right now, and, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a real um, motivation for him to be, to be uh, um, you know, an everyday player for them. I mean, if you told if you tell Travis Durman right now, there's, there's a chance it doesn't happen. He probably tells you you're crazy. Um, there's, an, there's an idea now that, you know, that Davis had mentioned earlier that he gave him a longer look on the right side. And if he can find that level of comfort there, then, um, you know, good for him. Uh, do you necessarily assume that Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall come back as your shutdown pair? Well, perhaps you do right now, but again, you know, the Zach Bogosian work his way into that. Where does miko Letnin fit into all this? I mean, yeah, that's a player we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's you know there's we know what he's going to bring offensively. Just look at what he's done in the KHL, where you know you know players don't necessarily rack up tons and tons of points. He's, he was great last year for Yokerit and he's you know as of today again leading KHL defenseman in scoring. So you know there, there's that factor to consider. That and again there's no there's no guarantee that Betton comes over and, and is a great defensive for the Leafs. I mean, not every player who comes from Europe is, can be that guy. Although I think there's uh, you know, from the people I've talked to that have watched him play and, and this sort of thing, both in the KHL and the international level, um, he, he is going to be a factor for the Maple Leafs. So last listening, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many questions here. Uh, now do they, are they better? I, I think they're better with Brody. Um, do you get Zach Bogosian, Jamie, that couldn't play for the Sabers, or do you get the one that was an impact player for the Tampa Bay Lightning? We don't know yet, right? So, yeah. uh, it depends how he all fits in, I don't. I like he's going to be a guy that Sheldon Keith is going to be looking to uh, overtax with minutes, though. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just think that you know Brody Brody's an upgrade for sure. I don't think you'd get much of an argument there for anybody, and we hope you wouldn't. Uh, Bogosian when he does play is going to bring that resiliency I think that uh, you know he did show in Tampa um, again the guy who's going to want to show that yes he is the guy that played for the Lightning not the one that you know eventually got let go by a Buffalo Sabres team that wasn't going to the playoffs so you know um, and, and those are just the additions I mean Morgan Riley more or less played hurdle last year when he was playing and and kind of fell off the map of it after the, the hell of a season he had before. I think he can get back to that to that level. I mean, he's just too good and too talented to, to not get back to that uh, um, level that he showed when he scored 20 goals two seasons ago and, and was in the Norris Trophy conversation. So I think you'll see a rebound from a healthy Morgan Riley, which I think is probably, I would argue that's probably the biggest key in this defense core going forward is that you'll see that. I, I think you'll see that from Morgan um, in the next season. Whatever it might be. But uh, you know, Jake Muzzin, Jake Muzzin, you know you 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 know what you're getting with Muzzin, uh, no questions asked there, the school does his job properly, you know, uh, hits a few people, uh, is you know, makes it difficult to play against. Um, but again that something to be better as a group, no matter what five are on the ice and be a little more seamless and that sort of thing. And and uh, you know, that'll be on the coaching staff and the players to get it to get it better, but I think overall Brody's an improvement. Gozine gives them um, that Muzzin element. Not, I'm not arguing that he's, he's, he's going to be the player by, that Muzzin is by any stretch, but that that you know, that sandpaper, if you will, and that sort of thing on the blue line. And and then you know you, you got a guy like sandine Sandin who had the chase last year was better in the second look than he was in the first one. Jamie, and then where does he fit into all this? So there are a lot of options there on on, on defense. And one thing that Dermot did say to us in his availability uh, this past Saturday morning was you know, the whole competitive nature of it now. And Kyle Dubas saying, you know, last week or whatever it was, that, you know, no no one on the blue line has done enough to be handed a job uh, deserving in that way. They've got to come in and earn it. Now, you know that Riley, Brody, and Muzz are going to be there, obviously. But I, I just think the competitive nature is going, to, uh, is going to be great in camp on the blue line. And, and um, you know, that'll help determine who gets what ice time and where.
0: No, and I think that could be said throughout the roster, even in the bottom six, top six. You know, yeah. steel, sharpened steel, right? So you're you're gonna see what happens with these guys and and what goes on. Um, before I let you go today, Terry, I, I want to ask you uh, a couple of questions from people on Twitter. I know you already responded to Jeremy's, but uh, yeah. I'll get your uh, your thoughts on this one. This comes from uh, Mike T R Hockey. Um, he's wondering with Joe uh, Thornton signing, will it affect uh, Kerfoot's deployment? And do you think it'll push him to the wing, or will he remain in the uh, the bottom six as a center?
1: I, I think you're asking for a lot of Joe Thornton to have him to, to to be an everyday third line center. Um, you know, but again, do the Leafs move on from Alex Kerfoot in the offseason? Do they think they have somebody can come in and play be that third line center, perhaps? But the fact of the matter is, they still have him, and Kyle Dubas is telling us during his last availability, he doesn't anticipate making any more trades and that they're going to be able to work it to fit everything under the cap uh, and be compliant once opening night comes. So uh, yeah, the Thornton question is, 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 is going to be interesting. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see how he how he does through this season in Switzerland and and all that sort of thing. But um, I just don't see him moving up and being that guy for them. I, I certainly think he's going to add almost to the power play. I mean, obviously he's still... His passing skills are still so you know uh, heads and shoulders above what other people, most other people in the NHL are able to bring on a nightly basis. But uh, you know, obviously, you're not going to uh, you know win win many win many sorry uh, speed races. Joe Thornton is not you're not going to be uh, ever be your fastest guy by any stretch. But um, that'll be on him to, to to show where he can play. And but I, I just think that you know. Uh, Kerfoot's going to have a spot on that third line. Is, right, is he that third-line center going into all this? I think right now we have to call him that. Can that change in training camp? I think so, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that's uh, um, an, an, an ironclad guarantee that that will change coming out of camp.
0: And the second question you already answered, it was from Ed but I'll give mm-hmm. him a shout-out anyways, was uh, do you mm-hmm. see the Leafs uh, – moving on from Kerfoot and trading for Mackenzie Wieger. Uh, you just touched on that, saying Dubas doesn't think about any other moves coming to this roster right now.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that that happens. I think, you know, if something like that was going to happen, we would have seen that by now. And uh, I, I, I'm one of these people, that Jamie, that takes Dubas's word for it when he tells us that, you know, um, I guess it was the day that they signed that they had to start to go, but he said 10 day, or 10 or so days ago that, that he is finished in that regard and does like the roster now moving forward and, you know, it's on the coaching staff and the players to determine who ends up playing where and how much ice time they get. Um, now, can, can something come out of left field and, 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 uh, and cause Kyle Dubas to, to make another move? Well, sure it can, that can happen at any time, but you know, when he's telling us that he doesn't expect these things to happen, um, and he is uh, fairly certain the roster is now set and I, I take him, uh, I think it's word for that. I, I just think that, you know, um, if you move out, like I said, part of the thing with moving out Kerfoot is you, you've got to then know who's going to be in that spot yeah. going forward. I don't think they, 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 they could give you a, a solid answer on that. So, like I say, I, I think he's going to be there. And, you know, as far as Ligar goes, I don't know. Um, you, you have to move something else out. And, you know, I, I, moving out captain and Janssen, Kyle Dubas knows that, you know, if, if everything's being equal, he, he doesn't want to make either one of those traits, but he had to do it. And I don't think he wants to deplete uh, the forward group any further than uh, he has with those two subtractions.
0: Well, you look at the two subtractions he made, though. I mean, you can make an argument that you might be betting on Babarinov coming in and doing well. Uh, you have Nick Robertson to slide in one of those spots as well. Um, you yeah. know, plenty of different guys that you can plug and play. You saw in Jimmy VC. So you have options to fill those voids, but you look at that third line center and you went from Kadri to Kerfoot, and you go from Kerfoot to what? And I'm always a big proponent of if you trade X, what do you have to back it up? And right now they don't have anything to back that up. So I don't personally see them trading him. I don't want them to trade him. What he brought on the penalty kill in the bubble, if he can bring that for a consistent season, that's uh, the right of ticket right there because, you know, bringing that penalty kill, being able to chip shorthandeds, and the way he played, it brought a whole lot, and it made you say, okay, where was this? you know, the rest of the season before. So hopefully that's the curve what we get. But I got one question for you before I let you go, Terry, myself. Yeah. And that is when the Leafs get back onto the ice and everything gets to rolling, I'd like to have you back on yet again. Talk about what's happening.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt. I mean, I always enjoy talking to you. And, yeah, it's uh, – I, I just hope – I just keep the fingers crossed it would be sooner rather than later, Jamie. But at this point, you know, I think it's all up in the air. We just don't know.
0: We don't know, but one thing we do know is when they do get back on the ice, you will be covering them, and we look forward to your coverage as always, Terry, and thank you very much for uh, always being so gracious with your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie, anytime.
0: All right, cheers.